When it comes to health and sleep, we often get caught up in a spiral of complex testing and protocols that only leave us in further confusion. Why is less more? At times we need to take that pause and just get back to applying the simplest of changes but in the right sequential order and with the right mindset. Welcome to episode number 77 of the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Raven Guerrero is a functional medicine health coach and cognitive behavior hypnotherapist. After five years at Barclays PLC leading wellness between 2011 and 2016, she founded WellWorks, an online functional medicine practice and corporate wellness consultancy with a team of practitioners who share her vision for self-care as healthcare. Together, they help you get to the root of your health issues and become the CEO of your health. Her mission is to create a well world starting by helping burnt out women in business create a personalized plan to dress for success, diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction and supplements. In the UK, Raven was a member of the all-party parliamentary group for mindfulness in the workplace from 2015 to 2016. Since then, she has been featured in the Huffington Post, on the CW Network and numerous podcasts discussing a root cause integrative approach to mental health, nutrition for the brain and anti-aging. It takes just a moment to leave a quick rating and review. Doing that will make these amazing conversations reach more people and allow us to keep doing our work. I ask you today to take that minute and support the Sleep Whisperer podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Deepa, Light Functional Medicine Practitioner, Author and Yogini and you're listening to the Sleep Whisperer podcast, the only sleep podcast with conversations and meditations. I'm on a mission to share profoundly insightful sleep conversations with global visionaries that merge together functional medicine and ancient wisdom. Breathe in bliss through weekly guided meditations and let yourself enter the land of dreams. Together, let's unravel the pieces, get to the roots and understand the right tools to transform your sleep completely. Through this podcast, I want you to dream the best version of yourself. It's time to regain hope and begin your sleep journey. Raven, welcome to the Sleep Whisperer podcast. It's a pleasure to have you and um, I am especially looking forward to our conversation. I wanted to start by saying, hey, beautiful, because you're so pretty. I hope everyone could see you, but obviously not on a podcast. But hey, everyone, she's gorgeous, so you should go check her out somewhere. And uh, Raven, so we are talking about... Um, 
common problems that happen with a lot of people's health challenges where sometimes they can complicate versus needing to simplify to get the desired results. And I think you're also going to do something exciting for us, which will be super useful to our listeners, which is actually take us through some case studies of clients without mentioning names, of course, so that people can actually relate to that and see how they can go further with their whatever is really stressing them out in terms of their health. But I know that you've had your own challenges. I did take a look at your IBS, your anxiety, and these are all common things that we hear about in so many cases. So um, maybe a quick little introduction to your health story and yourself before we actually jump into the conversation. Yeah, thank you, Deepa, for having me. This is such an honor. I've seen that you've you're doing some amazing work on this topic that I feel, I always tell people, I said, I think sleep is probably the most under-prioritized pillar of health because everyone really focuses on, you know, exercise and being fit um, as, a, as an indicator of health. But, you know, how you're sleeping is such a, a huge piece. And um, we tend to like cram so much into our lives. You know, and I was one of those people, you know, you asked about my story. You know, I had a corporate job. I worked in Canary Wharf in central London for 10 years. I ran a well-being program, which was the irony, and, you know, burnt myself out in the process, like while there, um, not sleeping, working all the hours, 15 hours a day, you know, and just sort of like thinking I could skimp by on five hours a night. Um, so now my whole my whole mission is to help women who are burnt out or on the verge of burnout um, by addressing their um, their three issues, their biochemical chemistry, their physiology, and their psychology. Um, because for me, this is the thing that I've seen, like, you know, these three, you can't just work on one of those things, you have to work on the whole, and you have to deal with the whole person and what's going on in their lives on all these different levels. So I retrained in functional medicine, and then later in functional diagnostic nutrition. And, um, and that's why I'm here today, because I really have a passion for helping, helping women in particular, because we're the ones who are generally overloaded, um, you know, lots of spinning plates, we've got kids, we've got husbands, we've got sick parents, most of the time, um, you know, I actually am like a walking statistic, you know, uh, you know, sick parents, sick grandparents, all that stuff that you've got to manage. Um, and you kind of it, it becomes sometimes very overwhelming, especially when you like you've got a career and you want to like excel in the world and you want to take things forward, but you're juggling all these different things. And it's very, very easy to become overloaded. And it's interesting that we're talking about how less is more because, you know, these, these practical tips that we need in order to, that we need to learn how to power down in order to level up. Um, you know, people think that by doing more, they're going to achieve more, but it's actually useful when we take a step back, when we pause, when we practice the pause, right? And when we practice like actually making sleep and rest a priority, scheduling recovery, um, and just keeping it really simple. Like it doesn't have to be like, oh, I've got to go test my DNA. Oh, I need to go find out what my chronotype is or any of those things, which, you know, you can do, but, you know, there's some big basic, basic things that we can do that I've seen in practice. You know, I, I started off as a hypnotherapist in 2008. 
Um, even though I was still in banking, like I retrained because it was something that was really passionate. I was passionate about having dealt with anxiety um, on a personal level within my family and, and my own issues. Um, so I wanted to learn how hypnosis could help reduce anxiety and you could learn how to deal with anxiety and insomnia without medication. Um, because for me, like looking at med like the way that the sort of Western model deals with um, chronic health conditions and sleep is like lack of sleep is a chronic health condition. We've got 50% of the Western world. They're not sleeping well. They're sleeping less than our grandparents. So people are getting on an average, they used to get seven to eight hours a night. Now they're sort of getting five to six hours a night and thinking that that's okay and not realizing the damage that it's doing to their metabolism, their memory, their mood, their immunity, big thing right now. Um, you know, so I, I like to say like, you know, we got to look at the hormones, the immunity, the uh, metabolism and mood, because that's what sleep impacts. Um, Those sort of like the main, main things within the body and the main functions. Um, so paying attention to that and being mindful of it and making sure that it's as simple as possible. That for me is like, if, if we can get people to just start thinking about one, that sleep is a priority, like just making that not the thing that you do because you, you are like, you're falling asleep in front of the TV, but actually creating some kind of like little routine or ritual or something along those lines that makes it simple. I feel like that's very, very impactful. So beautiful, Raven. And you'd mentioned about as women, and I think we don't, I really don't think even though we've come so forward, I still think as a woman who's working, it's very challenging because you're perpetually juggling all those plates, like you said, and um, a lot of women don't take time to prioritize self-care, self-love. They think they feel there's almost a guilt woven around taking time out for themselves. I don't know if you've ever come across that. Uh, and what was interesting that you spoke about, you don't need to go searching for these, you know, fancy labs, but that's something that I'd like us to get started with because I see a lot of people who are getting very unusual tests sometimes which may not be necessary at all they're looking into their immune system and uh, talking about T cells B cells and really after that what do you do about it so why complicate when the answer is to simplify so I was just wondering if you could talk about your frameworks and I know you have a particular framework which you run through so could we go through that while you talk about some case studies so that people can actually grasp what do they need to do practical simple how to simplify rather than complicate. I love that. Like I said, less is more. That's I always say like when I die, that's going to be on my tombstone less is more. <laughs> because I say it over and over because people come to me and they've seen like, I don't know, 15 different practitioners. Um, my mother's one of those people, by the way, she has like a herbalist, a naturopath, an oncologist, a, a gynecologist and all, all the ologists, plus all the alternative, you know, a craniosacral therapist and osteopath and all these different things. And it's like, okay, hang on. Like, are any of these people all talking to each other for a start, <laughs> right? Um, you, you're getting labs from this one, labs from that one. Like, why don't you just work with one person who understands all these different things, understands the biochemistry, understands diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, and selective supplementation. Um, and that's what I guess I love about the model that I've trained in. I, I love the functional diagnostic nutrition model for that because it does integrate, it, it spans all those different areas. Um, 
we're not medical doctors, but I do work with a medical doctor. So my medical director is a medical doctor in based in the UK in London. Um, I lived in London for 20 years. It's only recently that I have moved to, to, um, to Mexico and um, I've been riding out the pandemic in, in Cabo, um, which has been, which has been wonderful because there's a lot of freedom and fresh air and sunlight and all the things that people need in order to thrive. And, um, you know, when people think about like, okay, simplifying uh, their, their health routine, what I want them to think about is like, okay, well, instead of having, let's say 15 practitioners or even like five, maybe you could have one or two and that they speak to each other. That could be a good way so that everybody is, you know, clued in on what, what you're doing and what you're working on. And there's not a lot of contradictory um, information being shared. Uh, because what I notice is that, you know, one person will tell, you know, like the osteopath might have a way of looking at things that's completely different to let's say the oncologist, um, which is what I've seen in my experience. And, um, and then that, they might have a very different way of looking at things to the way that I would look at things, right? So I wanna look at biochemistry first and foremost. So there are some labs that I tend to run and part of the, the functional diagnostic nutrition model is to run five basic labs because they will help us identify, we screen for healing opportunities or hidden stressors. So we're looking for these hidden stressors that help uncover healing opportunities and hidden stands for hormones, immune system, digestion, detoxification, energy production, and the nervous system. So when it comes to like, let's say sleep issues, um, when I first started off in functional medicine, I would always look at gut health. I always want to see what is your gut doing? What are the balance of microbes looking like? Is there an overgrowth of anything that might be causing disruption? And very often what I would see, and you know, I'd see this with clients who would come saying that they were struggling with sleep and one lady in particular I'm going to give you a little story about her um, you know she was dealing with depression she had type 2 insomnia she was waking up at sort of like two three o'clock every night um, and this has been going on for a while she worked in corporate um, I knew her through my my banking job uh, she was in her 50s pretty much a high achiever but then all of a sudden kind of like flatlined in energy had no energy was sort of like living on carbs and coffee in order to 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 stay functioning and being able to get through a day. Um, and we were working on her anxiety and depression and working on how we could help her sleep better. But what I was finding is like, obviously talking therapy can only take you so far. So hypnosis is how we began and we were doing some CBT and looking at her thought patterns and limiting belief systems. But very quickly, like, um, you know, like within the first sort of like two or three months, I'm like, we keep going around in circles about things. And I've said, you know, and she kept telling me about she was having some issues with her gut. Like she had some gut disturbances. She didn't have great periods. Um, so I decided, I said, why don't you just do like one lab? Let's just try one thing. And, you know, I kind of explained what, you know, the whole point of why looking into gut health was so important, right? And I'm guessing you probably do something similar. Like you yes. run like a gut health test. Yeah. So the poop test, affectionately named the poop test. You get people to run the poop test. So we can look at what's going on with that balance of microbes because we do have, you know, about 80 to 90% of our serotonin is produced in the gut. And serotonin is one of the precursors to melatonin, which is your sleep hormone. So if you're not producing enough serotonin or if something is impacting the production of serotonin, it stands to reason that your melatonin production is gonna be impaired and which is why sleep might become difficult for you. And also if you've got absorption issues within the gut as well. Um, the foods that you're eating, even if they're as healthy as possible, they might not be converting um, into what you need for, you know, these different neurotransmitters. So, so she and I ran this test and of course we found 
quite a few scary things you know she had a worm some parasites oh. yeah some and some big things you know she used to um she used to fly to Sri Lanka every year with her husband that was their anniversary present with each other and she said you know she told me that it's been about 15 years she'd had gut issues but she just never really thought about them because the doctor just said take some PPIs or whatever and then the depression was a whole other thing and the anxiety and that was seeing a psychologist or a psychiatrist for that so you know she was seeing one doctor for the gut stuff and then the psychiatrist for the the stuff with her mood and the sleep and and um and no again nobody was talking to each other and then we decided just sort of well let's just work on cleaning up the gut and see I mean I I kind of knew that things would improve but within four weeks she I remember she texted me and she says I don't know what's happened but I just feel like the fog has lifted like I'm not anxious I don't feel like I need the medication anymore I have so much energy she said I've started back exercising and she said and I am sleeping through the night so that was like within the space of four weeks of removing some of the triggers starting to tidy up the bugs in addition to obviously you know the coaching and the therapy that we were doing her mood started to lift, her sleep started to improve. And it's very, very, you know, to me, it was a really simple exercise. It was just like, we did one investigative piece of work and just thought, well, let's just work on this one thing and see what happens. And no, I, you know, I mean, I knew that if we kind of balance those things out, because those are some big things uh, that stuff would start to improve for her. But I don't think she counted on how fast it would improve. She thought it was gonna take like the full 90 days um you know because I always say like let's just give the body at least 90 days to kind of catch itself because for every year you've been unwell you need to think of it's going to be about a month maybe three months um for your body to turn itself around for the gut to sort itself out for the liver to detox and all that kind of stuff but within the first four weeks her symptoms started alleviating and she started getting relief pretty quickly and what did you actually do? So you found this test and then you noticed she had all this stuff going on in her gut, which was impacting all of this. But what were those simple interventions that what did she have to remove? Was it yeah. something which? Well, yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, the so simply, you know, when I tell people um, we look at diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction and supplements, like the first foundational session, we work on the diet part of what we do. So we remove um, inflammatory triggers. And in her case, you know, we looked at gluten, at dairy, um, alcohol, which nobody ever likes when I tell them they got, in fact, someone today was saying, do I really have to give up booze for six weeks? And I said, well, you know, it's a toxin, right? And like, it doesn't facilitate healing. And even though it might help you get to sleep, it won't help you stay asleep. So I just kind of wondered if, um, you know, I'm not sure like they, they like people don't always grasp that like removing these things, there's a reason for it. It's not just we're removing it for fun, like we're actually removing it because there's a purpose behind it. So gluten right. is a particularly inflammatory food. Um, dairy, also extremely inflammatory, particularly if you're not getting, let's say, an organic grass fed source of it. Um, it's got a ton of hormones in it. Um, the farming practices that cows go under it's not great so I tend to say look if we can if you can at least agree to doing it for the 90 days let's let's just kind of like cut it out and see what happens see if we start getting some relief so we remove sort of like the main inflammatory foods but we also start including 
more um, whole foods, less processed foods. You know, um, a lot of a lot of the people that come my way, they eat for convenience. And when you eat for convenience, you're grabbing a lot of fast foods. And I, I, I'm guilty of this. Like I, I was on coffee and, and uh, pen au chocolat. That used to be my breakfast at oh, seven wow. o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, I know they're <laughs> delicious, but terrible for you because by 10 o'clock you need more. And you're like, oh, right. I need another coffee and another pen au chocolat. And then it's just a downward spiral from there. So so, um, so I feel like, you know, it's, it's really important for us to focus on, um, you know, like removing inflammatory triggers and also putting back in good things and including more of the good things you can crowd out stuff. So the idea with when we're healing the gut is that we want to crowd out bad bacteria or, or overgrowth of bad bugs with good bugs. So, you know, you're asking what are the simple things that we did? So more whole foods. Um, foods in there like they're not raw form but like in their pure form they're not like processed so even if we're you know we're cooking it it's like when someone says oh I don't know what to eat in terms of gluten-free food I say well an avocado is gluten-free you know mushrooms are gluten-free um, you know, there's a chicken's totally gluten-free so you know if you could focus on those things then you know you're more likely to be including more whole foods into your your nutrition um, into your diet and into your everyday life as opposed to going for processed things because a croissant goes through quite a, a pen of chocolate goes through a lot of processing plus it's you know the gluten the sugar all the things that we want kind of keep you away from so simple things like removing sugar um, you know, and starchy carbohydrates and replacing with, you know, maybe more um, complex carbohydrates, giving you prebiotic fiber. Now that's getting kind of complicated. And we did talk about simplifying, yes. um, you know, keeping it simple. It's just sort of like taking out bad things, putting in good things. Um, it could really be as simple as that and just improving your absorption over time. And Raven, have you ever come across clients who want their symptoms to disappear and everything to change but they don't want to make any changes <laughs> um you know in the early days I would say yes like I did meet a lot of people who would be like oh yeah yeah, yeah. I want to do functional medicine I want to work with you let's do it and then when you actually have to explain to them what they've got to do they're like why, why do I have to do that? Like, why do I have to, the alcohol is the big one. Why do I have to give up alcohol? I don't want to stop drinking wine. I really enjoy wine. And I will, again, how, if you're on a healing protocol, how do you expect to heal if you're ingesting something that does not facilitate healing, you know, <laughs> that depletes the immune system on so many levels. So, um, and sugar is one too. Uh, I had a recent client back in January with fibromyalgia. And um, that situation, you know, was he, he had had it for, for years and had seen lots of doctors and specialists about it. And it, the only sort of like recourse was take painkillers. Right. And just and when things go wrong, just lie down, rest and relax. But, you know, I decided like I was like, well, you know, that doesn't have to be your life. And he said, well, I'm really worried that I'm not going to be able to give up sweets. And I said, well, if you remember that the bugs in your gut are the things that are actually craving the sweets and not really you because 57% of your microbiome is actually non-human. And a lot of people don't know that either, like that you've got this, this whole ecosystem existing in your digestive tract that isn't actually really human. It's, it's all these other bugs. So I, and he, his face was like, he said, oh, so it's not really me craving the sweets. And I'm like, no, I'm, and I'm not absolving him of response. I said, no, I said, those bugs are craving the sweets. Those are the things that are craving. I said, when we start to balance them out and crowd them out with better bugs, I said, those cravings.
cravings will naturally subside. And, um, and yeah, of course, there's hesitancy. People are always like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to follow through on this. But when you explain the science and the biochemistry of how it all works, then it becomes sort of like a no-brainer, and which is why I structure coaching sessions around all of this to explain some of these things so that it's not just like, oh, you show up, you do a lab, we have a review and off you go with your supplements and your meals. And like, right. you know, we, we're going to work together. I'm going to hold your hand across yeah. 90 days. We're going to go through all the concerns that you're going to have because they will come up. Like no one has ever walked away and said, oh yeah, that all made complete sense to me. I got it. I know what I'm going to do. Thanks for the lab review. Off I go. Nobody's yeah. ever done that. They're always like, hey, when are we, when are we going to meet again? Because I have like a zillion questions and I'm like, yeah, I, I know. And that's why I've built in coaching into this so that we can actually work through those questions in a systematic way too. So as not to overwhelm people, right. because it is a lot of information that yeah. will come at you um, and you don't want to overwhelm. I, I don't like feeling people feeling overwhelmed. I want them to start working on things and scaffold and humans learn best that way. Anyway, you know, yes. we, we work best when we are drip fed information rather than like, you've got to change everything all at once. Perfect. And I, before I, I have so many questions for you, but the <laughs> first thing that I want to ask you is what do you mean by sugar? Can you just talk about that? Because I see a lot of people who say I've stopped all the sugar. And then few months later, you're looking at their tracker and there's mangoes and dates all <laughs> day long. And uh, so can you just actually break down what are sugars so people and these are fairly healthy, health conscious people who have no concept of what constitutes sugar. Um, so this is a really interesting one, because again, my mother is probably like, I've learned so much from her, like how clients actually behave. She's a bad client. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she will tell me, she says, Oh, I've cut out dairy. I'm having lactose free, um, yogurt. I'm like, you haven't cut up dairy because there's still dairy and lactose free yogurt. Yes. Um, you know, uh, so sugar, this is a, so it's interesting when you say this, I'm not having sugar in my tea, but then they're adding condensed milk to it. So that's a sugar, right? That's, they call it cream. Like I'm putting cream in my, like, but that's sugar, right? Um, so, so sugar exists in lots of forms. So we've got like fruit sugar, um, you know, fructose, um, agave is another one that a lot of people come to me and say, oh, I've stopped sugar. I've switched to agave. I'm like, that's actually like really high in fructose, which is very hard for your liver yeah. to metabolize. And you just start end up storing it as fat. So not a great, not necessarily the best alternative. Um, you want to stick to foods that are low glycemic, right? So, um, stuff that doesn't convert very quickly from glucose into glycogen, because that's what you want to keep that conversion really slow. So, um, so the foods that are high in sugar are not just plain table sugar. You have got like high sugar fruits. You've also got low sugar fruit. And I, you know, I tell people, so if you are going to have fruit, like try and stick to the low sugar ones, don't have the four or five bananas, like my dad, he's like, Oh, I'm only having fruit. And he's having five bananas in the morning. I'm like, not a great idea. And he's, I was like, you know, quantities matter. So um, unless it's like a green banana. But you know, I must say that your dad sounds better than my dad who sprinkles sugar on all his fruit. Uh, so the five bananas sounds better than a bowl of mango sprinkled with more sugar. <laughs> 
Okay, we have naughty parents. Our parents are naughty. Um, but they're but you know, the thing is they're trying because they're thinking that they're doing the right thing, right? They're like, well, I'm yeah. having fruit, like fruit's good for me. And fruit is good for you. In but again, quantities will matter. So knowing what quantities and how much you should be having per day, trying to slow down that conversion of glucose to glycogen. I always tell people, I was like, think protein, fat, and fiber you know, your PFF. So when you're having a meal, even if it's a snack, it can't just be the carbohydrate. It's got to have the fat or the protein to kind of slow it down. And ideally, depending on your metabolic type, you want to be having um, ideally more protein or more fat than sugar, right? right? So, um, so like me, I'm what you call a mixed oxidizer, my metabolic type, I'm a mixed oxidizer. So I can kind of get away with eating more complex carbs than my husband, let's say, like Reed can't, he has to eat like, um, he's a, he's a fast oxidizer. So having simple sugars and simple carbohydrates are terrible for him. He does very well on like, um, on higher fats and, um, and proteins that are rich in purine. So like more fatty protein as well. Whereas I do better on lean proteins. I don't really like fatty. They don't do, I, they don't work for me. So I do better on lean proteins and, um, and a bit more complex carbs. So, um, like a potato or some rice would be a sugar, mm. right? Which people don't always, they're not always aware of. And in, I grew up in the Caribbean and, you know, you always have like three starches with one piece of protein. So it'll be like, rice, potatoes, ground provisions, which is like a, a ground vegetable, uh, along with, um, with gravy, which is usually made with sugar, yes. <laughs> like brown sugar, because they browned the meat. And yeah. then it's like some chicken. So some chicken, some gravy with sugar, and then the three veg, the three, uh, the three starches. So we want to kind of switch that around. We want to be like more of your plates going to have more leafy greens, um, non-starchy vegetables, and more protein. So if you can kind of look at the way that your plate is poured, and this is, unfortunately goes against all the government guidelines that are out there. Like when, I, yeah. when I'm in England, I kind of lose my noodle and I go to, to like a doctor's office and I see like the food pyramid and I'm like, oh, it's like the worst <laughs> advice ever. It's like have loads of grains and they have fat like up in the top, like it's demonized. It's like have minimal fat and just, um, you know, these are the things that kind of like really like get under my skin but right? i think that's still not so bad raven is in india seeing very renowned nutritionist putting posts on social media that sugar and sweets are a part of your tradition don't give them up they're giving you uh, nurturing and please don't ever stop eating them and you've been brainwashed to think that sugar is bad and then you have all these clients come and tell you but she says you can eat the sugar and you'll be fine uh, so think about that <laughs> oh boy um that that's so shocking to me because if anyone starts studying like um, my mom's been diagnosed with cancer so I'm very much into like looking into sugar and the yeah. causes of cancer and you know when and she's one of those people who would eat that traditional sort of way with lots of rice lots of potatoes lots of um, macaroni like pasta so it'll be like pasta potatoes rice like the three starches and then this tiny amount of protein and I've just I've recently given her this book called the metabolic approach to cancer because I feel like it will help like it's coming from a naturopathic doctor so she will listen to it because she won't listen to me <laughs> I'm like look they're talking about how you need to kind of like swap out your fuel source from being from sugar into 
to fat because cancer feeds on sugar, right? And one of the reasons people wake up a lot at night, like to bring it back to sleep, because we have gone down the rabbit hole of all right, sorts of other right, things, to bring it back to sleep. Um, people wake in the middle of the night, like the lady I was talking to right before you, she's waking up in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. Her blood sugar, she's not, I said, what are you having before? You know, she said, well, I, I kind of stop eating at six. And I said, well, what I really want you to do is have just like a tiny snack before bed, like the tiniest thing, which is tiny amount of like a coconut yogurt or some kind of, you know, a little bit of fat just to kind of like help you get through the night. So, you know, to, to keep that blood sugar stable at night and let's, you know, I've seen it work with other people in the past where that works for them. I used to be one of those people. I, I started intermittent fasting in um, 2017 and I was waking up in the middle of the night because I was, I was hungry. Like my blood sugar was kind of all over the place. So I learned that little trick where you kind of have to, a tiny amount of, um, so again, we're talking about less is more tiny little piece of, um, you know, a little spoonful of some, some good fat or some protein will help kind of like keep you asleep at night. So, um, and that kind of helps balance out your blood sugar. So balancing blood sugar is probably one of the easiest ways to like, to, to, um, optimizing your health on so many levels, not just your sleep health, but like your overall health. And I think even that you're coming back to also telling people that it's not important to bracket yourself into this ideal way of doing things that you know mm -hmm. now intermittent fasting is so popular that everyone's like I know somebody who she eats in four hours of the day and then when she's exercising she's always dizzy and feels like she's going to pass out but she says it's working for her and I'm itching to say something but I have to tell myself no this is not you don't have consent to be giving advice to yes me. yeah so just stay quiet yeah but, she's not your client she's not yeah, your client exactly but, yeah. but it does make you feel itchy to say something because I mean this is like focusing on maintaining this perfect status quo of something that you perceive is really good for you versus what your body actually needs those subtle changes to make things worse I'm so glad you said that so talk us through sleep uh, practical tips to help people to do better with their sleep yeah um the first thing you can do if you want to think of it in terms of the acronym s-l-e-e-p i like using those by the way they help me figure things out and they help my clients stay structured as well so you want to stress less so if you can come up with some sort of like um gratitude practice before bed um yeah. that could be a lot of people like to practice gratitude in the morning i think if you do it before bed as part of your wind down um, and minimize stressors as well so not just psychological stress but there's environmental stress like turn lights off those very simple things turn off the lights at eight o'clock get your body prepped for sleep um, don't be exposed to blue light you know have darkness we're meant our bodies and our eyes they work on on light and light impacts the way that we sleep and the amount of light that we're exposed to at different times of the day because we are running on a clock that's our circadian rhythm so so light get, getting lights off um, from eight o'clock getting into bed um, not eating too too close to bed unless it's like something really small 
Um, so not having like a giant meal before bed because uh, a lot of people we used to eat that way where we would yeah. have, not really eat a lot during the day then come home and have big dinners and that can make you sluggish as well so changing the way that we portion our foods is going to be important as well and listening to your body like you said so um, so sleep so reducing stressors so that's one of those things stress less um, then kind of like live in a way that's in accordance with your nature and your um uh, and your own rhythm. So if you know that you are not a morning person, but you're forcing yourself to do things in the morning, and then you're completely burnt out by the end of the day, and you need a nap, and then you end up like, you know, you're having to, you're having a nap later in the day, and then it's causing and impacting your sleep later at night, then obviously, you need to kind of work in a way that works with your body's rhythms and your natural cycles, um, letting the people around you know that that works for you as well. Um, I always think that's important for partners to know when you're living with a, an other half. Uh, it's not always possible when you have children, because they have their own body clocks, and they want to do their <laughs> own thing. Um, but you know, your environment, cleaning it up, making it ready for bed and not, you know, keeping that environment really calm, um, and, uh, and, and sort of like conducive to sleep. That's, that's important as well. Um, you know, we talked about food, so eating, eating in a way that's conducive to sleep, more blood sugar balancing foods, um, keeping your blood sugar balance is probably the, the easiest way. Um, and then the exercise that you do, which nobody ever really kind of touches on because a lot of people, I know in my old days in, at banking, we would all work really hard. And then at the end of the day, we would go and do like high intensity cardio classes because that's the only time you could kind of squeeze it in. But then if you're doing that after 6 PM, how on earth is your body going to wind down in order to get good restorative sleep? So you want to do more restorative exercises later in the day. If you want to do your cardio, do it at the start of the day when your cortisol is elevated, not at the end of the day when your cortisol is meant to be dipping and your melatonin is meant to be rising. You don't want to do anything that's going to impact that production of melatonin. So high intensity exercise, park it, don't do it. So how your exercise is going to be important. You I'm want to say something? I'm so glad you said that because people who are struggling with sleep actually are very sensitive to the evening exercise with just spikes and dolphins and then they just can't wind down. I mean, for, for me, it's as simple as a difference between walking uh, 6,000 steps in the evening versus 20,000 steps in the evening, even if it's a gentle walk and I've I'm quite wide awake for a pretty long time. Yeah. So it, it that's it, so it's interesting that you said that because that mindfulness, like you're tuned in, knowing that okay, my body actually doesn't need to do twenty thousand steps at the end of a day. Um, yes. I try to get people to to tune into that. Um, I had a client who was having panic attacks. Uh, she was working out twice a day. She was doing spin classes in the morning hot yoga in the evening. She worked for Amazon. She was a buyer. She had a very hectic job from like about 7.30 in the morning till about 6 p.m. And then she'd go and do an hour of hot yoga, get home at about 8.30 and then uh, then try and make dinner and then get into bed by about 10.30 and be wondering like, why am I waking up in the middle of the night? I said, because you just ramped up your cortisol by doing the hot. So I said, let's see if we could like move it around like you don't do it every day. Like just see what happens on the days that you don't do it. And of course, what would happen is that she would get home earlier, she would eat earlier, her cortisol wasn't elevated and she was able to sleep. And then what was the really crazy thing, which will blow most people's minds, because she was exercising less, her less is more, back to my less is more, her, um, her figure, she said, okay, I've been burning like myself out trying to like lose and tone and all this stuff, like all this weight stuff. And instead 
she said, I'm doing less exercise. And she's like, and my body's actually changing. My legs are becoming more toned and I'm not exercising as much. So I was like, yeah, it works. Less is more because you're not putting that stress on yourself because you're recovering better. You're getting better sleep, better quality sleep. So we've gone through S-L-E-E. So sleep. Yep. And then the, the final one is personalizing, like working with your body and knowing what supplements you need. So um, supplements are a great one for helping people sleep as well like there's my favorite one is magnesium a lot of people would have probably thought I would have said melatonin but I don't believe in supplementing with melatonin me too um, me yeah. too yeah I think it can be very tricky and it's one of those things that people read and they put themselves on very high dose and then they've got into so many challenges weird dreams mm-hmm. I'm so glad you said that. And headaches and feeling groggy yeah. and not yeah. feeling alert, all the stuff that you want. Um, you know, I think melatonin should be used sparingly and under the suit. And like, unless you have like a, you know, like in my mom's case, like with cancer, they, that would be one of the things that an integrative oncologist would write, you know, they like high doses of melatonin, but for everybody else, let's just work on how you can help the production of melatonin rather than taking the end product itself. Yes. So helping the production and helping your body to do that is the thing that's going to help you sleep well um so eating more protein rich foods because melatonin and all these different things they're neurotransmitters so they are made from amino acids and amino acids are proteins so eating more protein rich foods are going to help with that um but also supplementing with things like magnesium using epsom salts in your bath or foot baths with epsom salts um that's probably like the a, a good simple place to start if you want to think in terms of that acronym of sleep you know stress less you know um you know live in a way that's in accordance to your body and your values um and eat and exercise and personalize love it Raven. i think we did such a rapid fire run through that time we did. Flown by <laughs> and I, but i think there were so many useful takeaways from that and did you have anything final to share in terms of last wise words from Raven regarding sleep <laughs> Um, I know a lot of people think that they might be, you know, like being cursed with not being able to sleep as you get older. That's actually not a curse. It's your body changing. And as you get older, your melatonin stores do drop. Um, And there are lots of things that you can actually do so that you're not destined to being like, oh, I'm only going to be sleeping for four or five hours a night as I get older, like my granny who used to be up at five o'clock in the morning. There's stuff that you can do. And some of those things that I touched on there. Um, I go into much deeper depth in, in my, I have a sleep program for people, um, where we go into to greater depth on all of this. Um, and in a couple of weeks, I'm actually doing like a three day mini retreats an online retreats where nice. we're going to be talking about less is more. So I thought it was lovely Ooh, that you lovely. asked me, you said, Oh, what are we going to talk about? You said, what are we talking about today? Can we talk about how to simplify some of these things? And I said, well, that works perfectly lovely. because less is more is my theme for the next retreat that I'm doing. (laughs) Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Thanks, Raven. But before I let you go, I want you to complete our show mantra. So here's where people trip up and let's see what you got. If sleep is the new medicine, then how would you complete that sentence? Oh, wow. Oh, that's a good one. If sleep is the new medicine, then we should take it every day. <laughs> we should practice Perfect. it every day. Love it's it. like bathing, right? It's yeah. like, you know, if you want 
Yeah, it is. It's, yeah. it's part of like, of, of like of cleanliness and hygiene and mental hygiene, being able to sleep and getting good quality sleep. That's, that's how you're going to stay healthy and stay mentally sharp. Thanks, Raven. It was really like, I don't, it was a whirlwind. I don't realize the time flowing by and where can people find you if they'd like to know more about all that you do, your coaching? Um, you can find me, I'm on Instagram. So under my business name, Wellworks. So it's instagram.com forward slash wellworks.co. So W-E-L-L w-o-r-k-s dot c-o and also on facebook under the exact same thing so um and join my facebook group i've got a great group of people in there and that's where we're running the challenge the well not challenge the retreat um we're going to be running that mini retreats in uh in two weeks from now so it'd be lovely to see some of your viewers there lovely or listeners we've got listeners, listeners. too yeah yes pleasure having you raven and we will stay in touch and um, enjoy your um, uh, time in where are you in Mexico? Uh, oh, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I keep enjoying those blissful times and thanks for sharing Thank you. all your wise words with us today. Pleasure. Thank you, Deepa. So lovely to meet you and keep up the good work. Hi everyone, I hope you enjoyed the show today. Just a reminder that this podcast is for information purposes only. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or otherwise qualified health professional. This information is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or the professional advice or services. If you are looking for personal help on your health journey, do seek out a qualified professional please do make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional it is in no way intended as medical advice or a treatment or cure for any condition be sure to always directly work with a qualified practitioner before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle that may feel out of your realm of comfort or understanding if you are looking for an allied functional medicine practitioner, do seek out more information on www.phytothrive.com. It is important that you have someone who is qualified and understands your health personally in order to provide adequate care, especially when it comes to chronic health conditions. Be sure to subscribe to the Sleep Whisperer podcast on your favorite podcast app to get each episode as soon as it launches.